Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Karowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And today I have the pleasure of introducing Rodrigo Fernandez. Now, Rodrigo is somebody I've known for a few years now and actually uh, was a mentor to uh, through the Czech Institute, and that's how we got to meet. And it's been awesome, and I'm excited to, uh, I'm, I was excited to interview him because it was, it's so nice to see somebody and how they're making those progressions through their life. And he's becoming just such an amazing coach. And you can really hear his passion for what he's doing. And I also love that he's really just working on bringing all of the health and wellness that he possibly can to Latin America, to to his country of Mexico. And it, it's awesome to see somebody going outside of just the the common like oh yeah just I'll cater to these people no he's he's expanding that and and he's looking to help so many people have a great impact on their health and can't wait to see what he what the future holds for him so please enjoy the show Alrighty, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And online today, I have my friend Rodrigo Fernandez. Rodrigo, first question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, share with us your health journey up until this point. Uh, okay, so, all right, where to start? So The beginning, wherever you like. <laughs> beginning, middle, or end. So, um, so the, the point where I feel like it's important to... To start for myself was about four and a half years ago, I, I graduated from college from business management, uh, and I wasn't really that happy with what I learned. Not, not that I didn't find it useful, but it wasn't something I was passionate about. And, um, and so when I, when I finished, I just basically stopped working out, and I used to be into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and just martial arts in general. And I kind of just basically spent six months of my life just uh, wandering about, not really uh, working out, not really moving, not really focused on anything. And I gained some weight. I started to have back pain, some shoulder pain, um, just a whole ailment, like physical ailment. And I started to notice that my mental uh, clarity was fading. And that's kind of what, like when I got my first job, as a sale, software salesman, this is four and a half years ago. Um, it's crazy. It's like, it's, it, it sounds bizarre to me that this was actually happening. But uh, the first thing that I started to do when I started that job was actually just doing calisthenics with one of my coworkers. Uh, he convinced me to go to a calisthenics class. And, you know, I, I was, I was an athlete my whole life. And just starting that practice was the biggest thing that started me, like, gave me this foundation. Uh, and I feel like through that foundation of just regular movement and uh, having some access to being in my own body and just really feeling how my body felt and feeling strong, feeling uh, capable, started to change my mindset. Uh, and that's when I, I started to... You could say um, I was evangelical about like spreading the word of movement and health. And that's kind of what got me into coaching. So to coach one friend, then two friends. And I'm like, well, I know these basic principles, but I don't really know why I'm doing them or how I'm doing them. 
and that got me into my journey. Uh, and it's and it's been a whirlwind ever since. Uh, get doing some Czech stuff, which is how I met you. Uh, I started to like the last year and a half. I've been doing a lot of uh, Guy Voyeur stuff, so a lot of Uldoa, a lot of uh, spinal traction stuff, and I'm still very very much into just general movement. Uh, I tried to add a lot of variety, but the more I the more I go through this path, I notice that less is more. So, you know, you know what I mean? It's like there's so much stuff out there that's very tempting to go after all the flashy lights, but over the last uh, good the last 7 or 8 months, I've just been focusing on taking off things off my plate and just really diving deep into less things and I feel like that's been a, a huge huge change in terms of just like the paradigm of how I how I structure my own life and just things in general so so what are yeah, those things what a, are those um, things that you're diving deeper into right now then uh well so one of the the main things is kettlebells yeah I've got really into kettlebells um Thanks to a, a, a friend of mine, and at first I thought it was kind of a weird. Didn't I didn't really get it? I'm like, why why am I swinging this big <laughs> iron all over the place? Uh, and the more I started doing it, I started to realize all the little nuances and lessons that it had to teach. Um, you start to see it has so much. I think it's the only weightlifting discipline that really requires a lot of timing. A lot of finesse. I would say it's it's an advanced level weightlifting. Not to say that you you obviously can't do the same things with a barbell that you can with um, with kettlebells or like the things that you like to do. A lot of those unconventional like uh, strongman stuff, which I think are fantastic. Um, but yeah, just I feel that kettlebell has so much to offer with with very few exercises. You can pretty much hit the whole body and then you you start to polish those things and that that was i would say that was one of the main things that started to, that i started to realize like huh i don't need to do a a chest press in a vertical horizontal 35 65 degrees and etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah all the different angles on the bench and whatever it is yeah which are important uh if if hypertrophy or if like that like bodybuilding is your focus but at the end of the day, if you're if you're an athlete or if you just want to be healthier, you don't have to like really dissect every single movement. Um, but yeah, so I would say kettlebells and just eldoas in general. So just the spinal decompression stuff has been huge for my practice, and I mainly treat uh, people that want to learn how to use kettlebells and people who have back pain. Those are my two major clientele right now so uh that's just that's really what i'm focusing on my own practice and with my clients so i've noticed that i started to attract those clients when i started to really focus on those things so yeah i'd say how did you get into a lot of the Aldo stuff because i mean i haven't taken any classes i've watched a bunch of videos i've had i mean countless people on the show who talk about it and i've gotten to be able to talk with them sometimes off air and go through a little bit more of the stuff but what is really just what has even surprised you the most about it hmm so i'd say the the thing that surprised me the most is is how humbling 
being still can be. Um, so there's, there's, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of like take a step back to kind of show you a big picture and in, in, at least in, in my perspective, but, um, I find that like everything has a, pol a polarity, you know, like a yin and a yang, a, um, hot and a cold. Um, I find that, you know, muscles are designed and their only function is to tense and relax or tense and not tense. Um, so I find that like Eldos give you this, um, you give a forceful tension in the extreme so that you can relax as well as you give your body, like I'm kind of going all over the place, but basically I find that Eldos are a great complement to all like lifting because you create a lot of tension but it's very hard for lifters and for just like hard hard athletes or even just old ladies that like I have this uh, 75 year old lady and she's she's in good shape for her age and she doesn't lift a lot of weights but she has tons of tension in her back and she has occasional back pain and just by doing an Aldoa that creates, you're creating tension, and I find that afterwards the muscles can relax, and the nervous system is primed to stay in that position, as well as what everyone always mentions about those are specifically creating traction in the joint. Um, and this is this is actually something that I find kind of funny that like, while explaining it to people, you generally say that like to plant an image in their mind, you say you're creating traction, and that's separating the joints. But what you're actually doing is you're creating a mechanical ionization. So that means that you're changing the polarity of the, of the fluids and inside the joint. And that pulls liquids in. It's not necessarily like it, it helps people understand it as like a sponge or like uh, as if like you're sucking from a straw and you're pulling liquid in. But what's really going on is you know, the joint has, is, is uh, permeable, so liquid can go in and out regardless. But while you do that tension, you create a lot of, uh, like, positive ionization of, like, the from the flexion from the muscles, and inside the joint, that, that draws liquid in, and that keeps it in. So it's one of those, like, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And it's, it's the more you kind of like learn about it, it's like, wow, there's all these little things going on. And it's like, um, and like everything, th these little things are teaching me so much about like, just like, I think it's, it's about being narrow, but deep, you know? So like the Aldo's for me have been just great, great exercises for just understanding your own spine, understanding your own capacity and to allow people to act compress literally and purely after a workout so i don't know if that kind of answered your question because I, I think it starts to uh <laughs> no and with them it's one of those i've like I said, it's more of experimented with them myself and i've not studied all of the mechanisms on them uh, i know some of the theory behind it but for me it's they just feel good and uh, I noticed, like you said, it's 
some of the most challenging stretching that I've ever done, I guess, if, if you want to think about it that way too, because of how you have to not only stabilize, but relax. But I mean, just all of the different ways that you're trying to get into that stretch. And uh, I, I think it's, you feel it a little bit different than you do a lot of other stretches. Like, I, I don't know if it's for, like weird to say, like you feel like almost that joint space opening up too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and the ironic thing is there's no nerves inside the joints. It's uh, there's like there's mechanoreceptors. Well, mechanoreceptors, proprioceptors, yeah. Yeah, but it's like there's no like uh, there's no actual like sensation like inside of it. Um, like the the like say the nucleus propulsus, the the jelly like structure inside the the vertebras aren't actually. Um, they're not actually feeling it. It's just the muscles around it are feeling that like, and like a common theme that of, that people tell me like after they do an although they, they're like, wow, I feel light. I feel taller. I feel, and um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a very unique uh, like system. And I find that it's, it, it fits in with almost any other practice that I've encountered out there. Like, an important note is to always, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, but I don't know if everyone in the audience is that like, uh, you want to do it at the end of your workout, because uh, you you're not just stimulating the the joint itself. Your nervous system is like just being lit up. So you have all sorts of like, the muscles are like whoa 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 like they they get like tons of uh, information, uh, and like just tension and they they definitely have like a kind of like a like you're shaking the jar type of thing and like everything's kind of shaken up and still things are kind of altered but well I i'm curious then, be- so why would you want i think of okay at the beginning of a workout i want to stimulate my nervous system because i want to be just like boom like firing on point uh to be able to explode to be able to be fast to be able to uh be primed and ready for whatever type of lifting I'm doing, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I'm curious to say, I, I, I think of, I'm, I, I share with me your thoughts. Cause I'm curious, like the, the, the thoughts behind that first. Okay. So yeah, definitely it makes sense to prime the muscles for sure. And to just to prime, prime the system for a lift. Um, and I definitely do a lot of like, like stuff to ramp myself up before a lift, but definitely the, the whole, well, the, the big thing is if you're lifting, you're by definition compressing. Um, like, so that in the, the thing is, uh, the eldos don't heal you themselves. Uh, it's the eldos are meant to create that traction in that space so that your body can naturally heal itself. So you're promoting a heal the healing mechanism inside your body, not necessarily doing the healing with the eldos. So, uh, you can do an Eldoa beforehand, but it won't have the effect of the Eldoa, which is um, you. So like in English, it's load. So it's longitudinal osteoarticular decoaptive stretches. So the decoaptation is that separation. Well, if you decoapt and then you compress again, well, it's it's coapted again. So it kind of it loses its 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 point in that sense. But if like I've heard of people doing um, all sorts of stuff before their, their workouts, but also 
from my experience, when you're when you fatigue the spine and just like the whole like structure, you can generally just I feel like I'm not that I'm not stable, but it I feel like this like airiness to my back that and I don't necessarily feel like loading myself right after that, but I I don't know, like I'm I'm sure there's a practitioners out there that do it the opposite, but in the system itself for the purpose of the decoaptation, they you usually recommend it to do it at the end of the session instead of it right at the beginning. And I mean that makes sense to me. I, I agree with you there. because uh, I think of it as any of those long prolonged uh, like longer duration stretches, I mean really are shutting down your power output anyway. So it might help in that localized area for that stimulation, but really across all of your long prime movers, it's probably not going to have the same benefit. It'd probably have a little bit of a slowdown in that. So the way you said it, I could see them maybe doing like five, 10 seconds at each spot, like just quick running through it or something, but probably not doing, because you're normally doing like a minute or longer holds with these, correct? Yeah, correct. You, you more than 60 seconds and it, it has, it's no longer, it has a, uh, the, the, the diminishing returns are after a minute so the ideal the ideal holding position is a minute but there's you know factors of progression if if it's the first time you've ever done an eldoa i start them sometimes just good luck holding in a minute yeah (laughs) it's like like i've had people like just like they they hold on they get into the position like how much longer do i have to be here like the second they get out into it and i'm like just 10 more seconds just hold on okay keep pushing through here and it's like um, but actually, like, getting back to the, like, like as a primer, there is a general Aldoa, which is, uh, which is not specific, because all the Aldoas are specific for e- either segments of the spine or peripheral joints. So you can do some for the, for the rib cage, for the shoulders, for the hips. Um, there's some for the skull as well, which I have not gotten into. I just kind of like, you uh, Guy was talking to us about it. Uh, this was about a month ago, actually, and he just kind of skims over it, just to kind of like introduce us to it uh, in in that level. And he's like, "Okay, put your bones right here." And I'm like, "Okay." And he's like, "Just wait until it moves." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "It moves. Your bone, the, your skull is moving right now." And I'm like, "Really?" Yeah. So yeah, it's one of those things. It's like. The, all the, the membranes of like he he's at a point and he tells you if somebody tells you that he can feel his skull moving on the first day he's probably lying <laughs> and I'm like what do you mean he's like well it takes years to develop the the like awareness and the palpation skills to actually feel what's going on with between like two different bones that are moving yeah the sutures are so minute that how much they move right. But that, it's it's fascinating, incredible. definitely very interesting stuff. See, I didn't realize he was doing work with that. That's really interesting because I mean, I've worked with actually like some craniosacral therapists where uh, I've started to get a little bit of an understanding of the sutures and how they move, and I can understand that manually. But to be able to do that and then apply like a, 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 an active stretch to that, that is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. No, yeah. All right. So, like, when Guy treats clients, he, he, depending on what, it, so, like, I'll tell you a, a story about, like, uh, 
one of my clients that um, we went to we went to see Guy, and and this was kind of like one of those like great learning opportunities because you, you see him treat a client, yeah, and he he looks at the MRIs, and this woman had fertility problems, so she she hadn't had um she was chemically speaking like she went to the doctors and they said you're fine you're healthy your your body the hormone levels are in in the range that you need for fertility uh you you you're um you have like very like consistent uh menstrual periods uh, we we don't know why you're not getting pregnant um so she she was uh i i treat her and her husband and we went to see Guy at um that's on a certain location and lo- looking at the MRI he the first thing he saw is like hmm just looked at it for 10 seconds and he's like you see this your SI joints are in torsion and I'm like so she had what's called a nutcracker so it, that means that like the, the so like the sacrum is shifted and it's causing torsion in the uh, in the fascia inside of the pelvis and that's creating a little torsion of the fallopian tubes which mechanically doesn't allow the sperm to go up. So it was one of those, like, I was just scratching my head. I'm like, how did he what? see that in there? <laughs> yeah. Like, but, but he, like, he was explaining, like, this is actually pretty common. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's like, I'm, I'm not like, it's not like I'm a wizard and I just found this out. Like, this has happened multiple times. Right. So he adjusted her sacrum. Uh, she gave me, well, he he prescribed some Eldoz for her SI joint, so there's specific, like Nutcracker, uh, like if it's cephalic or caudal, like uh, Nutcracker, depending on which part of the greater or lesser arm of the SI joint, which this is like this can get like a little like excessively detailed, but depending how you want to torsion the or detorsion the SI joint is where or how you're going to do this specific Eldoz. And then he massaged her, like he did a massage of like the fallopian tubes just to make sure that everything like, this is all from, from outside of the, of the stomach. And, um, and yeah, she left, she went home, uh, three months later, she was pregnant and she had been trying for four years. So it's like, it's one of those, like, <laughs> I like what, when, when I saw that, I'm like, Gosh, that like now what? Like now, what do you have to work on, right? You see something like that, you're like, all right, I'm starting to understand this a little bit, and then it's you see that, yeah. wow, I got so much more to do. No, like it's basically like being told, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you see that that little iceberg over there? That's all you have to know. And I'm like, sweet, it's pretty small. And then I see at the bottom, it's humongous. Uh, but at the same time, like, I, it just makes me like, so I'm not do, dealing with. With my own clients, I don't deal with anything related to fertility or anything like that because that's not something I specialize in. But in this case, since I have like it's it's very cool that in a way I'm collaborating with him uh, to like make sure that the clients that I'm treating have those exercises specific for what they're doing, so that they can promote whatever it is that the, the what it, what they're looking to get out of this experience. So. Like that was just like a really, really interesting like case study for myself, um, and yeah, just like it's the, like the applications of the Eldoa, I didn't expect them to be for fertility, you know. 
Like I'm looking just for back pain and most of my clients are for that very reason. And here you go. Another application of how to use the old does that was just like totally like out of left, left field. I'm like, whoa, that. but yeah, it's, it's really a, a fascinating, like uh, this rabbit hole to, to get into, but yeah. So Rodrigo, are you doing a lot of, or any like just lifestyle coaching then in general, or are you doing it more, you're doing a lot of training with people uh, and then you kind of sprinkle that in like throughout your sessions? So yeah, I'd say that um, the majority of my clients I do for, um, for, for like I do some lifestyle coaching more if it's necessary than as like my go-to. Mm-hmm. I definitely have to help clients with uh, with food intolerances or inflammation stuff. So, like, if somebody's having some some back pain and they're eating a lot of dairy and they're eating a lot of like like drinking tons of coffee and like acidic stuff for their stomach, and like I I do have to give them the, the that awkward awkward conversation. I'm like, so how's uh, how's your report card? And they're like, what do you mean? And like, how's uh, how's your poop? How are you pooping? Like, like honestly, and they're like, sometimes it, it gets, it kind of like gets them by surprise, but I'm like, look, man, your, your daily fecal matter is your report card. Uh, so it's like, just be, be aware of how it's going. And then like, like, how are they sleeping? So I try not to, and this, this comes back to that, like less is more type of thing. Like if, if I see like there's, this client has seven or eight things they need to work on. Like, what's the one thing that uh, that if I can help them with that, it's going to have the biggest impact? Um, and I would say for most people, it's actually just drinking water and going to bed on time. Because um, I'd say here in California, most people know what healthy eating looks like. Doesn't necessarily mean they eat it. Um, you know, pizza is delicious. But I'm like, well, pizza... <laughs> I can't blame you, uh, but, you know, I tell them, like, I'm a big fan of, like, the, the Czech point of view of doing, like, optimal, suboptimal, and in different choices, and that's something that I constantly use in my own practice, so I do, I have, I would definitely say that, like, the lifestyle coaching is definitely, like, the big umbrella on top of all the training that I do, because I know that if their health and vitality isn't, isn't, up to where they need to be no matter how many eldoas and like like strength training they're not going to get better because they can't their body can't heal itself fast enough so vitality at the end of the day i think is the 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 bedrock of anything so and that comes back to like just drinking plenty of water going to bed on time uh but it's it depends for each person you know it's some people are happy with just going to like a little bit of a tweak, just going to bed one hour earlier has a huge impact. So, so yeah, that's kind of like how I, how I personally use all the lifestyle stuff for, for my clients. And I think you you brought up again there, like the simplicity of the the choices that you have optimal, suboptimal and indifferent. Like if you can understand that and and if you can apply that to those 
I mean, big or small decisions, like it can go such a long way. Like, okay, what's optimal for you? What's optimal for everybody around you? What's a suboptimal choice? Maybe it's not the best choice, but you're still making the best of the situation that you can at the time versus just saying, nah, screw it. (laughs) It's, 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 it seems so simple, but it actually, like you said, it's a, it really is a simple thing, but can have still an amazingly profound effect on any of those decisions that you make in your life, whether we're talking nutrition, whether we're talking exercise, whether we're talking sleep, I mean, those ones, but it can be going across the board from what you choose to just do with your free time. I mean, your family, your, how you spend your money, whatever it is. I mean, those choices really start to add up. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's like, um, I was listening to this, uh, podcast the other day and, uh, and, this uh the aubrey marcus uh you know the, the guys from on it and he yeah. was talking to jordan peterson and um i'm a big uh, big fan of aubrey and i think jordan mm-hmm. peterson is uh he's a difficult uh topic to cover nowadays because it's got so much baggage mm-hmm. uh, behind him but overall like just the the, the thing they were talking about was um just like really unpacking what mm-hmm. it is that like you're spending your time on, you know, it's like, so five minutes here and there. So if you do 30 minutes a day of watching cartoons, whatever, 30 minutes times 365, that's 108 plus hours. So if you look at it, you're basically spending a week or more more than even yeah, like maybe two weeks watching cartoons. Well, 168 hours in a week. So, yeah, I mean, you're still like about almost eight days even just of cartoons just there. Yeah. So it's like, look, I'm all for cartoons if you want to do them, if you want to watch them, if that's something that's important for you. But like just 30 minutes a day was that 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 image for me is like, wow, that's that has such a big impact on like the overall like struck way you structure your own life. So. Yeah, little little things add up quickly. So what are you, like, if you want, what are you investing in? What do you want to have a compounding effect? So that's why what my, one of my biggest, like, beliefs and practices is waking up and doing my workout immediately, even if it's five minutes. Like, if I'm like, oh, crap, I'm late for something, I'm like, well, I'm going to be five minutes late because I didn't do my workout. So I'm going to do at least five minutes of moving constantly because I know that long term, that's that's my that's my bedrock. That's my foundation that's going to give me that long term impact. Having having had moved early makes me think of my eating habits, makes me think of going to bed on time, makes me uh, keep up more positive and like energetic uh, level throughout the day. So it's like for me, exercise is that thing that if I do it. I know the rest of the day will flow according to how my values are aligned. But if I skip it, uh, it's very easy for me to go into like, ah, well, I'll kind of like, well, I'll just watch a little bit of TV and then I'll, you know, like you start to have that inner dialogue of like justifying yourself, which look, we're, it's not good or bad. There's no such thing. It's just, is it, is it what you want to build or is it what you don't want to like, 
what type of person do you want to be? It's not like you literally are your actions, not your thoughts. So, well, you're both actually, but it's, um, but in, in that regard, like what's going to have a long-term impact on how you think about yourself is the actions that you take or don't take. It's like, if you're always hesitant about taking action on anything, like, well, that's, you're just going to be the, you're going to think of yourself as a hesitant person versus um, like, okay, I did this workout and it turns out it was not that good for me, but now I have the habit of working out. There's all, there's positives in action, much more positives in action than in inaction, at least in my opinion. So I think that there's definitely, there needs to be more doing and not that planning isn't important, but I definitely feel that in the big scheme, there's there's not enough action and intent into doing things um, more regularly, at least. But yeah, that kind of segued, but... No, I, I'm still coming back to just that 30 minutes a day on something because... Sure, you said it with cartoons, but we're talking, okay, possibly working out. So now if you flip it to maybe something that doesn't maybe have the same impact on your life that you wanted to versus that 30 minutes a day of, wow, now all of a sudden you've worked out eight days out of like, you, you think about it from that standpoint and it's a completely different ball game. Uh, like it can have that that same eight days of watching cartoons can just flip and easily become eight days of working out and now all of a sudden it's your body looks very different at the end of a year at the end of 30 minutes a day uh just by making that little bit of a time switch um to reflect those values that you truly hold for yourself yeah it's like 30 minutes of reading a book you read eight books in a year god knows how many you can read in in, in eight days straight or right <laughs> and yeah. i i think i mean there's still something about books for me. Like I I'm fascinated by, okay. If, if somebody writes a book and even on like a short end of a book, a hundred pages, right? Think of all that they had to put in there. So, I mean, that's wherever they're at in their life. That's taking all those points into account. So if we're talking health and you're just writing a book on health and you write it out a hundred pages, which I think at this point would be very difficult for me to keep. If it's just overall health, like that'd be very short. And to be able to take something like that, you're putting so much condensed information into that. Like for you to be able to take, like you said, even just a day to read something like that, you're going to get so much out of that. Like that just fascinates me. Uh, books in general, I think are still one of the cheapest and just most, most profound ways to, oh, to get knowledge. Sorry. It looks like it's awesome. Oh, how about now, Rodrigo? Hello. We good there? Sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. Hmm. Any better? Hey, we're good. We're back, guys. We're back here. Uh, I think it might be. I'm. There's there's some thunderstorms outside of brewing here. I can I can hear some rumbling, so it might be cutting out on our end. So, we're trying to return to this talk about yes, books. Uh, <laughs> it's a fascinating thing if you can just summate all of your knowledge all of your information to just a few hundred pages that really takes somebody maybe a few hours to read but probably took thousands of hours of research to come up with yeah definitely and like for me it's I, i've been wanting to write a book and um 
just because I, I find that there's not enough information like this in Spanish. Uh, and yeah. I, I'm from Mexico. So for me, it's a very, it's one of my like um, long-term projects is to bring all this information to Latin America and make it accessible because uh, there's, you know, we live in, 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 a, in a bizarre time where information overload is the norm um, and not condensed, simple, and like maybe sometimes the obvious things are the most important things to tackle. It's like, like people already know that drinking water is important, but quality of water matters. Also, frequency matters. Like, what's more important, uh, like, having, like, water first thing in the morning or first thing at night or as the last thing at night? Like, those types of things, people have questions about those things that, like, for me, it's like, wake up and drink some water. Your body has been dehydrated for eight hours. Why wouldn't you? But people regularly wake up, the first thing they put into their mouth is coffee, which is a a donut or something else. I mean, Yeah. yeah. And look. To each his own, but if what they're trying to do is be healthier, then that's not not that you don't have to reinvent the wheel here, but you can make a small tweak by drinking your water, waiting 10 minutes, and then drinking coffee, and that's going to at least that that's that's a small block. That's the, the those little things that accumulate over time that take you into the right spot. So, like just having a, a resource in Spanish that has a lot of this information about like just healthy eating, like basics of like movement and creating a, and structuring strength training. And I think that strength training is also one of those, I would say that strength training is the most overused movement and uh, abused movement paradigm. And I feel there's not enough emphasis in coordination and in fine motor control, which I think is, as important or maybe even more important than strength training um but yeah like just it's i think it's it's something that it's it's a long-term project that i want to create and to really help um latin america become a healthier uh entity and just i think it's it's i feel the responsibility to do it because if i know this and i can i know i can help change people's lives, I feel that it would be both irresponsible and selfish of me to keep this information for myself and just to like not share, you know? I'm curious, do you find that there are differences? Because I'm more in tune obviously just with the US and even more so the Northeast. I mean, that's that's where I'm located, right? But do you find differences uh, with maybe some of the health problems, maybe some of the movement uh, deficiencies or whatever you want to call it? in like the u.s versus latin america or is it more just barrier to having it um easily accessible and easily uh digestible in your in in one's um native language well it's a it's a bit of it's it's a it's a complex question for sure and and this is all anecdotal so um but in my opinion mexico has is I'd say a good 10 years behind. Uh, like the CrossFit stuff is very big in, in Mexico. It had like a huge boom, just like in the States. And then it kind of like 
withered and like now it's now it's it's I don't want to say it's stagnated because CrossFit is still big everywhere, uh, but it reached uh, it stabilized, uh, and I definitely feel that not CrossFit itself is a is a great uh, movement discipline if programmed correctly, but I think there's too much emphasis in in no pain no gain, and top level athletes all periodize like you have to, you have to two steps forward one step back and you have to do that dance of like ebbing and flowing to have a long-term successful like strength and like skill buildup um so i just feel that in mexico the big thing is there's too much emphasis in like going full out and there's too much emphasis in bodybuilding and aesthetics and Look, bodybuilding and aesthetics is fine, but not at the cost of your health, in my opinion. Um, because I think long-term, that's going to lead, again, that's going to take you back, and that's gonna, you're going to need, like, um, I love one of the things, I, I don't remember who's, who, who said it, but after every peak comes a, uh, a step, uh, comes... A valley, I'm guessing? A, a valley, yeah, basically. So either you step down or you fall down. So you're going to get knocked down somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's like, um, basically if you're, if you're gearing up the intensity in your training and you just keep going eventually, even if you're, you, you insist that you don't need to periodize and you don't need to back up on the pedals. Well, eventually you'll get injured and surprise you're backed off. So I feel that those things are it's, in my opinion, what's most efficient in, in Mexico. Uh, and there's some ideas on functional training, but again, you see soccer, professional soccer players, and they're doing a bodybuilder workout. I think that's, it's just, it's useless. It's like, uh, it's like, not really going to help performance much for sure. Exactly. If, if they might look great without their shirt on, but that's not going to make them faster. It's not going to make them better. It's not going to win the world cup right now. Exactly, and that's exactly. <laughs> well, no, yeah, like watching the soccer players like in the World Cup, it was it was frustrating. But look again, this is all my opinion. This isn't a fact, but I feel their mentality isn't isn't there. They don't have the mindset. They they don't have the belief, the self belief in themselves, even though that's something they've been working on. But then I also feel they don't have. The, the skills and the techniques that will allow them to get that out of, their, of themselves. So that's an, another, a whole other topic. But like, yeah, I think the soccer teams, uh, we have a high hopes on them, but I feel there's very little uh, thought put into how they're doing it. And I'm sure that the, bureaucr the bure bureaucracy behind it is like, no, we should do this. And this guy's no, we should do that. And like, there's people pulling them all over the place. Which brings me to the deficiency that I feel is in the U.S. I feel there's an overstimulus of stuff. Like you go to the supermarket nowadays in the states, and I can bet you there's over 20 different types of peanut butter that you can find. <laughs> like raw, it's freaking peanut almond, butter, right? <laughs> like peanut butter, almond butter, like hazelnut, uh, macadamia. Like, well, uh, no, I like if there are different varieties of nuts, sure. But like you said, yeah. just one nut and to find no. shelves like, and shelves of just one by yeah. itself. Yeah. You see like, like, uh, 
just almond butter, which is what I prefer more than peanut butter. You see salted, unsalted, raw, unraw, like uh, crunchy, crunchy, not crunchy, a smooth, uh, like blended with something else. All the brands like uh, <laughs> less fat, more fat, uh, like chocolate, chocolate swirl. Yeah. Like so, like, look, I think all of them definitely passed the test of being an almond butter but just eat some almond butter yeah but i think (laughs) there's like in just like in exercise there's like there's too much like razzle dazzle yeah like like bells and whistles onto all the exercises and i still think the basics for like strength training this is again focusing on strength definitely i think is just like squatting deadlifting pull-ups and pulls and presses and the upper body in vertical and horizontal planes and and then like like ipsilateral like uh rotational exercises i think with that you hit 99 percent of the of the like of your target and then you can add some little complementary stuff but you can basically focus on four maybe six four maybe five exercises your whole life and you'll be pretty solid for most things um but yeah like i definitely feel that's that's the there's a little bit of a paralysis by analysis in in just the amount of volume of stuff there is out in in the states but yeah that's that that's my summary of what's going on the differences i see no that's that's a perfect analogy though too uh trying to just keep movement patterns simple i mean sure like you said you can make how many different iterations of a movement but if you just can't do the simplest version of it correctly don't try and do the crunchy salted caramel swirled version of it too (laughs) like no 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 no. but i want to use some bands while i'm on a swiss ball while i'm like one foot is on like a sliding thing and like come on let's learn how to lunge first right do that properly but yeah, so, and and then another thing that I would say is missing in most people's uh, movement repertoire is actually more improvisational. Um, I, I like to categorize back to the polarity co- concept of like, there's choreographed and unchoreographed movement. When I'm playing tag, I'm not like, okay, I'm going to do this arm and then like, you don't do a dance. You're trying to touch the other person and run away from them. So it's like there's some movement like that you will need in your day-to-day life that you can't quite choreograph. So I definitely feel that most people don't get out of their comfort zone and do stuff like uh, combat, like combat sports, like boxing or Muay Thai, etc., which are still kind of choreographed, but in practice, well, things get random. Things aren't always going to go smoothly. And also dance, for example, well, you can choreograph a dance, but how do you program doing a wave with your hand, you know, like things like that comes back to that coordination and, and just having that ability to adapt to different stimulus. I think it is super important for most people to, to integrate into their lifestyle. And an easy way to integrate it is to play things like tag, things like frisbee, you know. So I feel to complement strength training, 
playing some games. And I'm huge on games. Like, that's another one of the things that I actually, I've always, like, integrated a lot of movement games into my practice for myself and for clients. And that keeps them very happy. It keeps them engaged. Helps them, like, it has tons of lessons to teach them just by enjoying themselves in their body, you know? So Rodrigo, this has been uh, it's been awesome catching up, and, and I appreciate it. But I want to uh, let you share. Um, hey, if people are looking to reach out to work with you to uh, see see what you have just going on. Anything that you're sharing, uh, where can they check out some of your stuff? Where can they reach out to you uh, if they want to work with you? Well, uh, I'm I'm based out of uh, San Francisco, and uh, if they if you're looking for me in in the Bay Area, you can definitely reach me at uh, at my email address, which is Rodrigo at and this is in Spanish, so it's Fuerza, like F-U-E-R-Z-A, dash natural.com, which means natural strength. Uh, and uh, you can also find me in Fuerza Natural MVT on Instagram. I also share some like uh, occasional tidbits on like movement and health stuff. And yeah, just uh, I can be reached all like any and all those ways and uh yeah i'm always happy to share and, and help orientate people towards where they have to go for either like finding a more interesting movement practice or getting out of pain but, excellent and and i'm gonna have to uh, start brushing up on my spanish uh while you start to finish up this book here because i'm looking forward to hearing all about or getting getting to read all about that yeah no for sure yeah definitely i'll You'll, you can you can practice with me. We can read it together, and I'll tell you, like, what does that mean? I like it. I like it. Rodrigo, thank you again so much for all that you had to share today. Thank you, Nick. It was a pleasure to talk to you, and I uh, look forward to seeing you again sometime soon. Hey guys, and thank you for listening to the Bare Naked Health Podcast. If you want to support the show, please head over to iTunes, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, give a five-star rating, positive comment. This really helps other people find this show uh, or just share it with your friends. Uh, hopefully, they can get something out of it too. But thank you very much and look forward to talking to you soon. Mm-hmm.